0: Gratitude Lesson 4 The Inner Game. Many years ago, I had the pleasure of training a very successful business coach. He had been in a car accident, had broken his leg, and had lost a lot of strength and fitness, so he hired me to train him and get him back to playing tennis. He was a passionate tennis player, and one of the books that had inspired him most, both on the court and in business, was a book called The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway. He recommended I read the book, and the concepts within it blew my mind. The book emphasises the idea that an individual's performance is not solely dependent on physical skills, but also on their ability to control their mind and thoughts during the game. Galway introduces the concept of the inner game, which involves quietening the mind and allowing the body to naturally and instinctively perform. The book introduces the concept of two selves, self one and self two. Self one represents the analytical and critical mind which is often filled with self-doubt, judgments and instructions. Self two, on the other hand, embodies the natural, intuitive and instinctive capabilities of the body. Galway argues that the key to improving one's game is to quiet the constant chatter of self-one and allow self-two to perform naturally and intuitively. I see this with my clients all the time, especially when it comes to exercise. Their self-one, their analytical, critical mind, is very loud and dominant. It's the mind that overthinks exercise and that seeks to do things perfectly for fear of failure. It's the mind that shames them for not doing exercises right or not doing enough exercise based on unrealistic expectations. It's a mind that constantly throws up barriers to exercise, meaning my clients end up in a state of avoidance. If I can't do it perfectly or do exactly 60 minutes, then I'm not even going to try because I don't want to risk failing. The end result is them being sedentary. My job is is to get them to pay less attention to self one, their analytical, critical mind, and more attention to self two, their natural, intuitive mind. If you had to personify these two minds, those two inner voices, then self one would be a really strict PE teacher who shames you whenever you get anything wrong. That's not good enough. You're not doing it right. You might as well give up if you aren't going to do it perfectly right. Shame on you for failing. Whereas self too would be a playmate, someone who wants to experiment, mess about, not fear getting it wrong, and who wants to learn through trial and error. Should we try this? Yes. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try doing it a different way and see if it works better. Oh great, this way is much better. Let's keep doing it. If you've ever seen a child in a PE class, rigid, scared, and resistant to exercise, that is a child whose mind is dominated by self one. If you've ever seen a child running, jumping, climbing and rolling around in a garden, exercising joyously and intuitively, that is a child whose mind is dominated by self two. The lesson here is that if you want to exercise more, and in particular exercise more consistently and joyously, then you have to be mindful of self one and gradually silence self one whilst developing Nurturing and supporting self, too. In his book, The In a Game of Tennis, Galway suggests shifting one's focus from outcomes, such as winning or losing, to the present moment and the process of playing. This shift in perspective encourages individuals to appreciate and be grateful for the opportunity to play the game, to enjoy the experience, and to learn from it regardless of the outcome. By cultivating a sense of gratitude for the game itself and the opportunity to participate, players can reduce the pressure and anxiety often associated with winning or losing and enhance their overall enjoyment. And what you enjoy more, you do more, right? You can practice this too when it comes to approaching your workouts. Don't go into a workout with a self-one mind, a mind that wants to do everything perfectly and get all the exercises perfectly right. Go into a workout with a self two mind a mind that is grateful for the opportunity to move, to explore movement, to learn about movement, and to play around with your body and find out what it can do. The absolute best thing about this self two mind approach is that injuries, illnesses, or conditions aren't limitations on your ability to exercise – There are interesting challenges thrown into the mix that you are then grateful for the opportunity to work around. It's the difference between self-one thinking, I've injured my shoulder, great, now I can't do the workout perfectly. I might as well stop working out altogether until my shoulder is perfectly recovered. So that's me out, I'm not exercising for two months. And, okay, I've got a shoulder injury. I wonder what exercise I can learn and do with this shoulder injury. This is going to be fun. I'm so grateful I've got the rest of my body to explore and train and this is an opportunity to discover what the rest of my body can do. I'm actually about to go to the gym and I'll be going to the gym with a completely self-to-mind. I don't care about doing things perfectly. I don't care about getting all the exercises perfectly right. I can't wait to get into the gym and experiment with and explore what my body can do today. I have injuries, I have niggles, I have pain, but I still get to go to the gym today and train what I can train, and for that I'm immensely grateful. There is always something you can do, and if you focus on what you can do and feel grateful for what you can do, you move out of the resistant, inconsistent self-one mind into a more grateful, consistent self-two mind.